I wish I'd known that I was enough. You know, I wish that I had, uh, in many ways, had more gratitude and um, more faith in myself, actually, and that I that I had enough education, that I had enough resourcefulness, that I had um, built up a community of people who really care. And I actually, there's something that happened after the birth is I just received packages and packages from all sorts of people and from all corners of the world, from Canada. London and Australia and Malaysia, like just random people just started sending things through and I didn't realize how connected and how much of a network that I've built up over, built up over the years. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I guess I, I just, I wish I'd known that I, that I was enough and that I hadn't lived such a, um, I guess, traumatic pregnancy. Hello, my name is Sabri and you're listening to the Now I See Me podcast. This week's guest is Fiona Hanham. She was born in London to an Indian mother from Tanzania and an English father, but grew up in the UK, Hong Kong, and Perth, Australia. She spent her 20s doing odd jobs in Norway, London, Marseille, Melbourne, Prague, Paris, and even briefly in Lagos, Nigeria. She's constantly chopping and changing cities, career interests, network, boyfriends, and people who know her describe her as at worst volatile or at best as a free spirit. Sense of self, belonging, and self-esteem is a slippery fish for her, even at the ripoff age of 35. Fiona thinks that who we are and who we see ourselves as is inextricably linked to others, such as origin, place, job title, shared experience, friends, family, and etc. She's a gregarious, curious, and open, but also mortified by her own existence. She doesn't know where she fits in, and it's not always a comfortable place to be. She feels like an imposter everywhere she goes, and she ends up seeking validation from others. But along the journey, she learned many lessons, and today she's sharing them with us. Fiona didn't come along today. She brought her seven-month-old son, George, that you will be hearing during the conversation. So apologies for the little cute sounds that George made. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome, Fiona. Hi, Sabri. Hello, hello. How Thanks very doing? much for having us. We're uh, we're good. We're fidgety, but <laughs> otherwise pretty good. Your morning welcome is actually very interesting to host a podcast with a baby of uh, seven months, right? It, exactly. He can he can make one syllable sounds. Yeah, that's pretty enough for, <laughs> for, for our podcast. So uh, Fiona, to, uh, we start the interview and the, our podcast always with one special question, which is uh, if you have the opportunity to meet your 15-year-old self, what would you tell her? So if I had the opportunity to meet my 15-year-old self, I would say uh, to look around and, and appreciate all the smart, creative, um, ambitious women around me, young girls around me, and to have common values because at the age of 15, you're very highly influenced. And, um, and I think that it's really the, the age where, where you can define yourself and you break away from your, from your own parents and you form your own identity. So, so be headstrong and surround yourself with the right people. And do you, do you think you failed at doing that? At 15, no, I think I was lucky enough to be surrounded by those people by chance. 
um, and to be naturally drawn to them more than anything else. Um, I definitely had a, a much more rebellious side, which tended to um, to put me well to put me in contrast to things rather than to embrace um, rather. Yeah, rather than embracing more sensible decisions, I think I tended to to um, to go to the wrong side of the tracks from time to time. Just testing boundaries, but that was also part of who I am. So, in a way, I, I think I needed to go through that phase. Okay, thank you, Fiona. Uh, you you often describe like you describe yourself as a, a very interesting word actually that I just learned: gregarious, uh, curious, and open, but also mortified by your own existence. Uh, why is that? So <clears throat> I think that um, I've always been very curious. And, and as I just mentioned, this desire to rebel from time to time comes from um, boredom and the desire to, yeah, to explore the new and the unexplored. Um, but what I found, I guess, in the last 10 years in, in my 20s is that I don't necessarily fit in. As much as I love to meet people and I love to hear other people's stories and I and immerse myself in other people's stories, I don't always know what my own is. Um, and therefore, I have this sort of very fluid kind of sense of self and, um, and that makes me very insecure. And do you think is that caused... Uh, or is that because of the fact that you traveled a lot and lived in many cities and many countries uh, that you don't like you can't fit in, in, in a new city anymore I don't know if it's so much um, I, I think that's a choice I, I could have chosen to stay in a city and I chose not to um, I chose to explore different elements of my uh, different interests and different elements of myself at different times and I and I yeah um, that's a tricky, I don't know, it's a tricky question because I think you're very much rooted by where you are and the people that are around you. You build these connections and you build this sense of community and that does, that helps define you. When you change communities and you uproot, you uproot schools or you move to, for example, Australia, you know, 20 years ago, um, there wasn't that many brown people <laughs> and... Um, and I felt very different. I felt very different in an all-girls school. I felt very different coming. I just always felt very different. And I think that comes from being so mixed or part of this like 1% of the population in the world that is that comes from mixed parents and has lived internationally. Um, there aren't that many people actually in the world that have that, um, that experience. Tell me how do you define uh, the concept of fitting in? I think fitting in is about having shared experience and um, and that's something that I struggle with when I say that I don't always fit in, whether it's in a new company, whether it's in um, not a company at all or a group of friends or a new city. And actually that's how I ended up in Paris is because it's the kind of city that's cosmopolitan enough that I do meet other people who have similar experiences to me and that who I can immediately bond with um, because they may also have grown up somewhere else, um, studied again somewhere else, have parents of different nationalities and um, are just trying to be, I guess, a not a foreigner, but a stranger 
in someone else's land and together we have that in common and and um and then i didn't necessarily feel growing up in australia because well despite being half british um i wasn't australian and i didn't identify with the land and i didn't identify with uh, a lot of the people that grew up very differently to me so so yeah that's how i ended up here and how are you feeling so far with your parisian experience um great I've, i've put down roots i have an apartment um i met a frenchman and had a baby and um funnily enough not so many french friends <laughs> <laughs> but i feel great about that too <laughs> i guess it's uh, the story of all of us immigrants and expats exactly uh, let me take you back to exactly what you just mentioned uh, meeting a frenchman and having a baby uh, i know that's also a story of not fitting in or at least trying not to fit in in what the society imposes on every single woman to have a baby a career uh, a wedding could you tell us more about that story Yeah, well there were no norms. I mean, well maybe it's 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 not a new story. It's a, a, an unplanned pregnancy after a bit of fun. Um and um I never had the desire to be a mother. Um in fact, I didn't think that it was possible and I was kind of like the single lady chasing a wild goose. Um and I didn't really take my life very seriously. Um because I Yeah, for me it was just about exploration and it's every day as it comes and every new experience is rich because of its novelty. Um and so the decision to become a mother, um well, what once I once I was pregnant, the decision to keep the baby and, and go through with this was completely transformative for me because um I had to commit to something for the first time. So first it was the apartment actually. I I I committed to buying an apartment and as soon as I put my bags down somehow my body just decided that it was time to have a baby and everything snowballed from there. So it was almost like destiny really um forced me to put roots down. It was time <laughs> apparently according to the universe. Uh and in my usual way I'm just rolling with it. Um I I I don't have any predefinition and therefore i seem to be a lot more relaxed than maybe maybe other people but having done all of this during a pandemic and being far from my family and basically holed up in my flat um alone and far from old friends um and even recent friends i kind of i kind of feel like i'm just living a very surreal very personal and um very individual story i don't know that I mean, everybody deals with motherhood differently but i but in this particular case i have nobody to tell me what to do or how to do it and uh, there's no mothers groups and there's no societal influence so i'm just um really doing things my way and and that is a huge change from trying to fit in somewhere else cool. thanks so what was transformative about the experience from because i think funny enough like we met when you weren't pregnant uh in a professional set and then we you reached out when you were pregnant just to stay in touch and you said that uh, 
you wanted to reach out to to friends and like people you felt that they're uh, like-minded and then we met again when the terraces opened again and you had the baby uh, and i could see already the how how you evolved or how you changed your perceptions uh, so what was like what was transformative about it and especially that you told me and you've written it like i've written it like it was hard to keep the baby you even consulted doctors and so on so i guess uh, you like many other women out there uh, that decision is hard mm -hmm. uh, and of course there is no right answer you can keep it or not that's up to the person uh, but like how did you leave that experience from no desire to having a baby to now when i see you with george it makes me want to have a baby <laughs> <laughs> um i think that i didn't have any confidence in myself and i didn't feel like i was worthy of being a mother because i hadn't set my life up in the way that most people do in order to have a baby um sure i had a roof over my head but i didn't have a stable relationship and i didn't have this idea of of what it meant and i didn't even have a career that was necessarily going anywhere for me to think okay i have fi fina financial foundations that that are enough <clears throat> i didn't think i was enough and i didn't think i had enough um and that was a huge um concern for me when i when i had to seriously think about whether to have a baby or not um and then i went and saw a psychic well kind of like a tarot reader in los angeles <laughs> as you do when you just don't know what decision to make because i also do believe in in fate and 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 really um, making the most of what life dishes out to you and delivers to you. I'm very opportunistic, which is probably why I change careers and I, you know, I meet people and then I, and I jump. And when this came along, I thought, well, something that never happened and I didn't think could happen has happened. So I'm going to go with this despite all my fears and doubts about myself. Um, and I kind of just stopped asking questions. <laughs> just went, okay, my body's going to take take over now. This is what's happening. Um, people in far worse situations are capable of having children, and all all that he or she will need is love and security, and um, that's all I need to focus on. So, so once I let go of my own self-flagellation uh, and um, my own, I guess, insecurities. And just, it, it became less about me, actually. And that was a huge relief. <laughs> it was like, yeah. actually, nobody cares. You know, nobody cares but you. And you're the only one holding on to all these issues. So drop it. <clears throat> drop it and focus on the task at hand. And did it help? Because you mentioned as well that you, you often felt like an imposter everywhere you went and you needed validation. Like, do you, do you think that the love that George brought you uh, helped with your self-confidence and also stopped feeling that you're an imposter because you're definitely not? No, I feel like COVID did that, actually. Okay. <laughs> COVID helped me um, because it cut me off from the rest of the world. And, and part of being gregarious and extroverted is that I'm drawn into other people's energy and I'm drawn towards other people and heavily influenced and being isolated and, and literally cut off from the world meant that I could only draw energy and force from myself and knowledge from myself and 
And that's what I did. And it was only by doing that and being put in this, yeah, in like a hermetic chamber <laughs> that um, it was, I just had to, I just had to get really real and really practical and just keep this baby alive. And, and the love echoed, you know, it was just me and him and it was just so raw. Um, and, and that's, that transformed me is that I finally had confidence in myself to to just do the necessary and um and now I don't care what other people think and I don't care about fitting in and I don't you know it's like okay this is who I am I get it now <laughs> I'm happy to hear that and I could see that actually uh what did you like what do you wish you you've known when you when you started having the that pregnancy experience and also like when you gave birth to George like what did you what do you wish today you've known or like Uh, and as well, like you can pass it on as a message to people who are in your positions. I wish I'd known that I was enough. You know, I wish that I had, uh, in many ways, had more gratitude and um, more faith in myself. Actually, um, that I that I had enough education, that I had enough resourcefulness, that I had. Um, built up a community of people who really care. And I actually, there's something that happened after the birth is I just received packages and packages from all sorts of people and from all corners of the world, from Canada, London and Australia and Malaysia, like just random people just started sending things through and I didn't realize how connected and how much of a network that I've built up over, built up over the years. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I guess I, I just... I wish I'd known that I that I was enough, and that I hadn't lived such a, um, I guess, traumatic pregnancy. Thinking about all that stuff. And did did you did you also reach out for help regarding that, or did you talk about it? With yeah, people? I definitely talked about it. I definitely talked about it, but then you know everybody responds in a different way, which is like, well, you can you can have an abortion; it's not too late. That's one response, or um, or the really the the best thing was people listening and just talking through it. You know, nobody nobody has nobody sets out to have an unplanned pregnancy with a stranger in France and stay together with that person and then do it through a pandemic and be locked in an apartment that has mosquitoes you know it's like <laughs> nobody knew what to say they were like well this all sounds pretty typical of you Fiona you know like you hadn't planned and now <laughs> look what you've got but it's a really enriching experience and I don't regret it do you think that today you find like a balance between what you want what you might become and like where you come from because it's it's in the end it's a mix and like we I think we spend most of our years in life like trying to find that balance of who we are and where we're heading. Mm. Do you think you are in that process of like finding that balance? Um, I think I'm in the process of better defining how I can, who I am, I think I know who I am. I think now it's like, how can I take who I am, take what I'm good at and turn it into something that I believe in rather than falling into somebody else's um, design somebody else's dream somebody you know whether it's working for somebody else's project or or following you know friends or or even listening too much to to your partner and what they think i think it's about really listening to myself 
and um, designing something of my own. I know that I, I get the most pleasure and the most value out of helping people. I'm not somebody that does things for my own recognition. Um, and now I'm working towards that. Uh, I'm doing a lot more introspection, and I'm a, and I'm a lot uh, a lot more wary of what is me and what is somebody somebody else's need or want. <clears throat> what is my want and what is somebody else's want? So you're That's, able now to separate yeah. the two. That's great. And uh, I, I, I like for me, you're definitely all the women who who decides to go through that kind of pregnancy and are very characters and like you are a model of in that sense and it reminds me of my own mom uh, taking care of four kids by herself and like when my father was working abroad and and i always wondered like where do you get that card i know it's the love i know it's the baby but also like i want to know like what inspired you like what inspires you on a daily basis what inspires me on a daily basis to me um i guess there's something about novelty and curiosity and exploration there for me it's like what can i learn today that i didn't know yesterday and it doesn't necessarily have to be used towards anything and i think that's probably my greatest pitfall but i just um what inspires me is talking to people and meeting people and, and that's one thing with this pandemic that's been really difficult but but um, hearing hearing stories and 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 just sometimes listening and, and seeing things from a dis- different perspective that is that I find the most inspiring on a daily basis. You know, at the moment I watch George and I see something change, and that to me is, is something new that I learn or that I see or that I didn't know, and um, and I find that. And I find that inspiring. A day that feels like Groundhog Day where I literally have to do exactly the same thing um, as the day before or the week before or the year before just makes me want to cry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess it's, it's pretty hard for... Uh, especially I think we're quite similar on that social level and uh, definitely like the hardest thing I went through was not being able to hug people and to talk to people to talk to the store manager and, and things. I, yeah, and did you find a way to replace it? Because I personally, and to be honest, uh, in the beginning I was like everyone else on the phone, Zoom and Facebook and so on. But in the end, I, I got sick and tired of it because it didn't mm-hmm. replace the real deal, like the real conversation and the, the physical touch and the, 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 the connection you can have uh, with someone. So did you find a way to replace that? Um, well, I guess in terms of physical touch, I had I had George. But funnily enough, I got to know people in my neighborhood. Um, I don't feel like I missed out on meeting people. What happened was I started meeting more strangers, um, which sounds completely <laughs> the opposite to a lot of people's experience. But whether it was having a chat to the guy that owns the bookstore or somebody that would help me carry the pram there was you know one random guy that walked me all the way to the restaurant carrying carrying the baby and and yeah and i started instead of talking to the same people i started talking to different people um that were very much in my vicinity um so that inspired you know that inspired me getting to know the neighborhood inspired me getting to really focus on it's sort of like meditating when you start to really focus on the small things that you would normally walk past on a daily basis 
And actually, I liked, I, I, the, the only thing I could have wished was that they shut off the internet as well. And then I really would have been <laughs> really deep in the isolation. Like that would have, that would be ideal for me. Just the ability to cut out all noise and just get, strip it all back. Talk to the people who were, who were in front of you every day or around you. And yeah and not have not have any noise yeah i mean i just think that that's yeah funny enough i think like most of uh like not most of them but like many good memories happened when there was no electricity and it's really funny it's uh, like especially i consider myself to be someone hyper connected like i'm always on my phone on the internet talking to and the good moment happened when there was no electricity and it's funny like how we We think that life can, like, we cannot live life without internet or without electricity today, but it's actually like it's all the other way. That's what, that's where the real deal again. Yeah, we need to, we need to pay attention to what's in front of us and appreciate it. Yeah, there's something that I keep, that I keep thinking about is gratitude. You know, I feel like yeah. at the end of the day, actually, there's, I've got, I've got everything that I need. I, honestly, that's what inspired me to start this podcast. Like, it's more conversation because. I felt like I'm meeting with a lot of people and I'm very fortunate for that. I uh, have been blessed with that skill, I guess, to be able to talk to all these people. And many, many times, like, I wish that conversation was recorded because some, like, sometimes one sentence, I think, I think, would have so much impact on many people. And that's what started, I think, this podcast. And uh, it's uh, we're getting off the record, but, like, it's such a pleasure, actually, to see that This is also what drives you. Uh, chit chat. Yeah, chit chat. It's like, <laughs> I completely forgot I'm on a podcast. Um, so tell me, uh, I know that experience, motherhood, uh, and the COVID and the, the whole pandemic shit uh, that happened like was a bit hard. Uh, do you have any other experience that where you struggled and and uh, you had to pull off a lot of courage like you did for the that decision for keeping the baby to go over the, that hardship? I can't say that I have had any hardship. For me, I I have, <clears throat> and maybe it's just a, a perception, actually. I mean, I've changed countries so many times. I've changed cities. I've changed jobs. And every time I start something new, that probably terrifies people a bit like people that want to do the same thing day in day out, day out because it gives them a sense of comfort and certainty and yeah. and i hate that idea uh that that scares me more but but then what i've noticed um as a result so i can very easily just move somewhere and not have anything with me um and find a job and and you know just put some put a semblance of a life together and start meeting people and and at the core of it that's all I care about is I just I enjoy meeting people but then what happens and what has happened and in terms of hardship that has been accumulating is this sense of not having a career and today where everybody identifies with their job their career what they bring to the world their sense of purpose whatever it is um I don't have I don't have that I just Because I've changed so much, there's not one, there's not one thing I can tell, you know. So I don't. I feel like maybe I'm missing something. Um, but that's just some days that I think that, and then and then and other days I'm like, actually, big picture, don't care, you know. Everybody, everybody, 
people can change course quickly. But what worries me about myself is that at worst I'm volatile and I may change without ever really digging deeper into something, which is exactly what we're talking about here and being forced to look deeper and to and to be more resourceful and then maybe something you know maybe there is a calling for me and instead of walking past it i should just sit and focus and and deep dive and and that's how i can can give back um so that's my next challenge really so it's it's funny uh you you mentioned like you mentioned at least twice that you didn't have a career you don't have a career plan what's a career for you like is it the Do we have to just follow the general term and that everyone needs to do 15 or 20 years of experience to say that I've had a career? Or like for you, do you want it to be different? Do you want it to? Well, what I want it to be and where my insecurity lies are two different things. I think that um, I think that it comes with a level of expertise and a body of work or something to show Um, when I think about my friends, for example, they have reached a level of expertise that that enables them to have a certain status in life. You know, they, they may have an apartment in Manhattan or some high flying, you know, branding job. And and because there's always a hierarchy and let's face it, as human beings, there's a sort of natural order and organization. People organize themselves And then there's a hierarchy within that. The problem when you flit in and out is that it's very hard to re- to establish yourself in that kind of hierarchy. And and that's where I have a sort of status insecurity because, um, because again, I don't necessarily I haven't earned it. I haven't cre- I haven't built anything up. I have lots of different experiences, but the way that society is organized and the way that companies in particular are organized is that they they need people who are specialized and and that's where their role is so what i would like it to be is um a way that i can figure out how to like you've done with house of ichigo group everything that i've done package it up in a way that even i have faith in myself that i have expertise and experience um And it doesn't necessarily look like what's written in a job description and it doesn't necessarily fit into a company. Um, And also to learn how to persuade other people that I have this. Because if I don't believe it myself, which is currently the issue, then nobody else is going to believe it and and believe in me and, and, you know, uh, ask, ask for my services. And I get that that's how it works. You know, I guess I've just been a, a bit of a dreamer up until now. No, I wouldn't say dreamer because um, I'm honestly on the on, on your side. Like I, I, I've always been against that stupid hierarchy and like being a, a director or like whatever stupid title we're giving. And uh, and to be honest, uh, I've never been a specialist in anything. Like uh, maybe basketball, I spent 15 years doing that. But since I got here, I changed so many jobs that I ended up uh not being a specialist but well maybe today i can say specialty in events because i've done them so many times but still like i i I can easily fuck up any event i know that like everyone can uh but i was happy to know that i wasn't alone like i came across that article about slasher Uh, a slasher is a typical millennial who is jumping from one job to another and it's uh and it's not even 
about finding your why or your said like your purpose it's more about that's your why like your why is to jump from something to another because mm. you get bored you get mm. sick of doing the same uh, activity and and i think what worked for me is just surrounding myself by experts and i'm just the middleman here and that's i think that's why people trust me because i would make sure to go to the right person and to mm. Uh, and that actually was really, I, I was relieved to know that. I was relieved to know that I'm not the only one who will end up uh, saying like attending a wedding or reunion with all my childhood friends and they're all doctors, lawyers and whatever I'll be, what are you doing? I was like, I'm still catching my eighth beer, like whatever. So I was happy to learn that. And, and they wanted to know like, what, like, I feel you're a bit he- hesitant. You know that you don't want to be entitled and be part of that hierarchy, uh, but like, why do you wanna? Like, why don't you wanna try? Like, move forward with not being a specialist. Like, try to put together uh, something. But that's exactly what I'm doing. Okay. Um, that's exactly what I'm doing. I think I, I've. But part of that is is going into more introspection and okay. thinking. Yeah, really spending time reflecting on everything that I've done so that I can define something at the end of it. Um, again, I'm hesitant because I'm so easily influenced that, you know, I, I have to, I think for myself, I need to take the time to be able to unpick what is me wanting to do this? What is me being pulled by some sort of niggling voice in, in the back of my head saying, oh, but, you know, that how is that going to be perceived? You know, yeah, how are yeah, you going to be judged? The There's voices. the self-judgment yeah. and, and that's the thing that stops me. But I'm going through, you know, baby steps of, okay, reflect on every single job, reflect on your qualities, do all the, you know. Um, I'm actually doing a coaching, following a coaching program just, just to help me unpick some of that because I don't have the structure to do that on my so own. So you're speaking about reflection and that's something – First, I'm passionate about it, but second, I know someone who's really good at it. Like mm-hmm. His name is Hugo Pereira. So shout out to our friend Hugo Pereira, who used to be the international, uh, the president of ISEC International. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year uh, around that time of the year, actually, he releases a book called The Reflection Booklet, which is, by the way, an amazing book. I recommend to everyone listening and to you as well. So it's like a set of questions and structure, like you're saying, that helps you uh, reflect on the a uh, year that went like passed by and then start sort of planning for the upcoming mm-hmm. year. Uh, do you have any uh, tools that you're now using or uh, do you uh, do you use meditation or yoga or like any exercise or activity to, to help you reflect? Um, no, I don't. What I've started doing is sending my friends questions to, um, given that I, I am um someone who cares what other people think even though i there's a duality i care and i don't care i kind of want to fuck the system but i also care a lot about what they think yeah exactly um no i care about what my friends think and um and i i guess I'm following this coaching program called Chance. it's all online it's like yeah yeah uh, I just started, so I'm, I'm really just in the early stages. But one of the exercises is, yeah, asking friends um, 
how they view my life just so I can maybe get a bit of perspective from an outsider's point of view rather than hearing that niggling voice in my head (laughs) i haven't started i haven't like gone down to the elimination diet or anything like that (laughs) sardines and rice no i'm not quite at ashram stage but um no i i guess for me it's it's going out for a walk it's um sitting at sitting at home with george it's about being present and i'm i've never been more present this year than and I think it's probably the same for a lot of people, except yeah. I'm, I'm a present person. I like dealing with problems in the present. I like dealing with solutions or crises. For me, a crisis is the best position to be in because you can only act and think in the present and there's no planning and there's no worrying about, you know, regrets or anything in the past. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I use. Can you tell me what's the hardest question you you're struggling with that you cannot answer i guess i'm struggling with being a little bit um always just more grateful for everything i have and knowing that i already have the resources to do whatever i want and that i can dream the psychic even told me i can dream big and i have the resources i just don't know what my dream is I don't know what it is. I don't know how. I I don't know what like how I can help people, and then I doubt myself f- for even wanting to help people. I'm like, but do I really want to help people, or is this stemming from some other, you know, psychological trauma of <laughs> just flitting about the world? I, no, I think that I definitely, I know I like people. I like working with people. I'm extroverted. Um, but I also know that that can be draining. So it's about finding a balance of <clears throat> finding my purpose, knowing that I'm useful somewhere, that I, that I, it's not just about putting down roots, but putting down roots for me is about knowing that I'm useful in everything that I do and feeling like I'm part of this community, global community. Every person in the village has a role and I don't know what my role is. Um, yet yes fine being a mother is a role but that's not in the larger sense and I think that that's my ultimate question is is how do I come in as the doctor lawyer dentist whatever maybe not lawyer but um (laughs) Indian Indian mother's dream dream (laughs) exactly I think my mom is still dreaming of like seeing me as a doctor I think this is where my anxiety comes from about this question is it's like well I'm never gonna be any of those things I Um, hope someone would do a research (laughs) on why Indian or Tunisian mothers or like North African in general have this dream of lawyer or doctor and it's not gonna be me who will run the re- this research because I think I will lose it in the in the middle but uh, it's, it's quite interesting it, it creates a lot of pressure and like especially uh, it's funny so I, I was telling you I was listening to the, the podcast of Tim Ferriss and Brittany Brown and uh, they were talking about that self-blame culture uh, mm-hmm. and you keep blaming yourself because we grew up with it. It's like we nurture it because uh, our parents expected us to be something. And even if today we're doing great things on our separate way, we still like go back. That, that little voice, like that bastard in our head, would go back to that. Well, my mom is proud of me, but still, I think if I was a doctor, she would be like, "End the stars." Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so that's that's I think what's hard when it comes to reflection, when it comes, and that's the struggle, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think also for you, like yeah. that's the struggle where uh, do we listen to our heart, maybe, or like or to that voice? Yeah, I think it. Uh, to some extent, I have always been escaping um, that fear of never being good enough, knowing that I'm never, you know, that who I who I am, which was maybe as a teenager and i think it does start from when you're 15. i think that's when you break away from this identity of being a child and you become your own person your own adult um and i was at that even at that age heavily influenced. my mum was going to the medical lectures on how to sign up <laughs> to medical school for me because i had no interest in studying medicine at the time and so yeah that, that, that's that's never left her, her her influence. And to some extent, my father's as well has never left. They want the best for you and to them that's security. Yeah, but definitely. for me, it was like, okay, well, I'm never going to be that. So fuck it. I'm just going to do everything else under the sun yeah. because it's, what's the point in trying? What's the, what? Yeah, I didn't know who I, I didn't know who I was. Now I'm like, okay, forget all that. You're old enough now. You've got your own kid. You're in the next you're in the next generation it's time to just focus on what it is that you can do make do with what you've got um it's funny like i remember so my mom wanted me to be a doctor and i got my baccalaureate and then i didn't have a a good like a a grade that's good enough to get me into uh, med school uh so in order to satisfy my mom somehow i went to the biology school and that's fucked up like I, and they remember like i even rented a house in the downtown and and i got to the school and they i think i did two weeks and after two weeks i was like what the hell like what the hell is a biologist first i had no clue and i was like what the hell am i doing to myself like and they i'm 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 super happy that i got that reflection but also uh, in the same time my mom was always understanding she was pushy and she's still pushy uh she's very supportive but at the same time she's very demanding and like thank god back then she understood and she said don't have to do it and i ended up taking a a, a year of uh, fuck all like i didn't do anything i just played basketball uh, and that was the most in- interesting year of my life i guess and just doing the, the nothing the, the yeah, empty space the, the I, I just did what i loved the, the most which is which was basketball Sadly, it wasn't my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just enjoyed that year. And like, it gave me a lot of perspective and uh, it led me, I guess, to where I am today. So, but still, like, back to your point, it's an ongoing process. Like, even now, we're old enough to decide whatever we want. Like, we still have, if it's not our moms, it's that little voice. Yeah. But I think our moms is still old enough. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's from birth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a birthmark that will stay with us. Um, yeah, I think, but it's less me worrying about what I'm not and me thinking I've switched from me. Yeah. Not from the negative space, but to the, what I am and what I can, what I can bring. And, um, and that's really liberating more than anything else. It's just constructive No, it is rather than destructive, which is what I've been up until now. No, it's, it's great to, to hear that you're, you're going through those changes because uh, I, I told you, like, when we met the first time, I told you, you're going to be my best friend. Like, <laughs> that wasn't even Because we've got shared experience. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, uh, I was reading something that 
we always like that says uh, strangers all strangers will always understand you because they don't know where you work they will just uh, like just check like take you at face yeah, value take you for who you are <clears throat> today and would be happy for you for whatever you do and they would be sad for any story you would mm. tell them if it's sad a sad story and they love that and that's why I, I love meeting strangers like it's 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 fascinating it can be dangerous maybe up to now it's it's fine but like it's 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 beautiful yeah it, uh, it brings sort of uh, unexpected people that you need in your life and uh, that's how I consider it yeah it's a bit like well it's just it allows you to see the world through somebody else's eyes for however short that that moment is you know just to yeah. get another perspective and another for me it's like watching a film or reading a book i don't yeah and those are my two i mean reading reading is my is the thing that i enjoy when i am stuck at home isolated you know reading and you'll be stuck at home isolated because it it gives it journeys into another yeah. into another world so tell me what what books do you do you do you enjoy reading and what are the books that you go back to every time you need something? Actually, I'm really bad at going back to books. Um, but <clears throat> the books that I the books that I enjoy reading are the books that I pick off somebody's bookshelf randomly, uh, or or they may have been my my grandmother's books. So I think I mentioned you know things like Graham Greene with the with the covers of falling off. Um, those sorts of books, those old classics that I would never think to buy myself or yeah. that nobody recommends. I love those books because they come with no expectation. And it's always a surprise. Sometimes I hate them and sometimes I love them. But particularly like Graham Greene is great because it takes you back to the 50s and spy. I mean, he, you know, it was that it's that whole spy era uh, and an expat era. And it's um, you find yourself in the depths of the Congo with some washed up architect from Belgium <laughs> I get it somehow, somehow that's that's what I get um yeah I'm terrible at reading non-fiction the only person that I that I probably enjoy is Nassim uh, Taleb but um yeah I think that like it's it's the it's the real random choices that I yeah. that I enjoy and then and then sometimes I forget that I've read books you know it takes me that's funny it Same takes me a while with your life. yeah Choosing random stuff. Yeah, exactly. Little windows. Yeah. Little but windows. Like, I think I, I don't have the courage to choose a random book and a random meal, which actually I'm making more <laughs> efforts on the meal because uh, someone told me I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, getting out of my comfort zone enough. So I had to go try broccoli and all that stuff, <laughs> vegetables that they have zero respect for. Uh, but that's that's beautiful actually to choose a random book and to even forget about it but then it will teach you something at a certain point well again it's part of that it's a bit like being in isolation you know it's a, it's like you pick up something you go into a window there's no expectations you don't know where it's going to take you there's and there's no demands you know it's just um you you have you form your own opinion you're not reading anybody else's opinion and it hasn't been recommended to you so you're all on your own <laughs> And it's so important to be on our own. We were talking about it <laughs> in 2020. Can't get enough yeah. of being on your own. Exactly. That's the, the 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 brand new slogan for 2021. Thanks, Fiona, for that. Um, 
my next question is I, I'm, I know you come from a very multicultural family which actually uh, I'm impressed and a bit jealous of how many origins you have in your family I know like it's from different countries different religions uh, and they can at least for me I can see it how it shaped you uh, but I want to know like what did you learn from like growing up in such a uh, like multicultural environment um It's funny because I never, well, yeah, I guess I never really noticed it as being that multicultural. Uh, I always noticed it as being different. But I guess um, what's interesting is that if you're a little bit brown, you consider the multicultural aspect to be the brown part. Um, and and I'm bringing race into this a little bit because... Uh -huh. Because growing up in Hong Kong, I went to an English school, but there were so many different kids from all over the world, Japanese, Indian, American, whatever. We were a real mixed bag. And when I moved to Australia, I all of a sudden was the Chinese kid, bizarrely, just because we'd moved from Hong Kong. I had a cute, posh little English accent. Uh, didn't make any sense. Um, and... And I guess uh, I've always seen my mother as this sort of exotic, the exotic one that has brought the multicultural element in. But actually, um, when I when I look at my family objectively now, <clears throat> I I look at my dad's family as by far, in many ways, more open and, and more worldly than my mother's family. Um, for example, My grandfather was a wine and vodka importer who had many contacts in the USSR and was um, <laughs> often traveling between France and the USSR and London. Um, and my grandmother was his translator, so she learned Russian and French. And even when she was 80 years old, was learning Latin just for fun. Oh. Um, And uh, my father has worked in China and Africa and, and they've moved around. And my mother, she was born in Tanzania to this East African uh, a Guj Gujarati family. And there's there lots of Gujarati East Africans, Indian East Africans. Um, and she, her parents were so poor that they couldn't actually afford to look after her. So she had to go and live with her grandmother and her eight aunts and uncles. And she basically, um, yeah, waited on them hand and foot um, until she was 14 when she went to London to live with one of her uncles who'd moved to London. So she came from uh, a background of poverty and um, went to study pharmacy because uh you know at least it wasn't optometry like the rest of her family wanted her to do but a bit like what you were saying with biology yeah. so she studied pharmacy and um she just always did what she needed to do to fit in and be secure and then she met my father who came from a family of raving revolutionary alcoholic anarchists um who you know <laughs> were from a middle-class background and just having a grand old time in London in the 50s. Completely different set of values. Um, very, very foreign. And somehow, somehow my parents met um, at Bradford University at the age of 17 and they never separated and that was that. Um, so in terms of being multicultural, yeah, it's... Um, I think I'm much more of my father than my mother. 
with a lot of the hang-ups of my mother, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it, um, does, it does. I have this free spirit like everyone in my father's family have um, has, but but also this desire to kind of to fit in as my mother had, and, and I, I guess as many migrants do when they move somewhere. I mean, um, she started out as a typist and, and kind of worked her way and sent herself to school, and I admire that in her, but I don't necessarily have the same personality. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my brother does. He's the lawyer. Um, oh, he's the proud golden child. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a bit of me, um, there's a bit of everyone in the family and me because I stay close to every one of the family members, even mum's Indian cousins who I who I stay in touch with more than she does. Oh. Um, and I and I value that, and I recognize that that's what makes me me and different from my brother, for example. Do you wish you never had to experience that Chinese uh, experience, like treating you as a Chinese person in Australia? Like, did it did it help build you or? Uh, uh, no, I think it no. scarred me more than anything yeah. else. It set me apart rather than making me feel like I belonged. It made me forever feel like I was different. I was, I was the odd one out. And I probably, identi- uh, yeah, I probably internalized that to the extent that it carried, I carried it with me everywhere, even if it wasn't necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, coming back to that, in, that niggling voice at the back of my head and, and um, that's definitely where it came from. But having said that, I was still, you know, in later adolescence and high school, surrounded by a group of girls who were incredible and also from mixed backgrounds. Um, well, I became friends with them, at least anyway. So yeah. I found my people <laughs> in the end. Um, but, you know, at the age of 12, again, those are really formative years, 12 to 15, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I feel like it leaves an impact on us. <laughs> And you were mentioned in the beginning that most of your friends are not French, and like they think it's kind of really linked to that. Yeah. Kind of, uh, we will always be the outsiders. Uh, but also, it's the same for a French person growing up in somewhere else. Yeah. Like being the outsider will stick to you, and like you will always be the outsider. Yeah. Exactly. Until you find yourself with the other yeah, exactly. outsiders that have lived the same thing, and then you know you can, you know. You know that you have something in common with them. You have that shared, shared experience. Cool. Uh, so we're almost wrapping up our com- lovely conversation, especially uh, George here <laughs> and trying to speak. Uh, I, I want to, like, if you have one message today to our listeners uh, and to people who can uh, relate to your story, what would be that message? Um... I guess, well, I don't know. I don't know what my story would be because, well, what my message would be because everybody's story is unique and I guess it's just trust that your story is beautiful and you are unique and um, and don't listen to what anybody else has to say sometimes. Lock them out. Lock them out. (laughs) Exactly. Well, like, Fiona, honestly, uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. I I love how you were... Like trying to balance between breastfeeding, <laughs> ba- like 
trying to put George to sleep, but still answer the question and be part of this conversation. Uh, I, I admire that. Uh, last activity for this conversation. Uh, this is the, a game, a card game, called the Ichigo Connect. <laughs> so I will, add, I, will, I will ask you to pick up a card and then uh, you will have an answer on it, uh, a question on it. Okay. Uh, and then you have to answer it with honesty, just like you did the whole conversation. Okay. If you knew you would go completely blind tomorrow, what would be the last thing you wanted to see and why? But it would be George. Oh. Because his two little teeth and his gummy smile <laughs> are by far the most rewarding things that I see. And I'm lucky to see them on a daily basis. That was so beautiful. And so beautiful to see you looking at George. <laughs> and very inspiring. Thank you so much, Jonah. We'll do this again in five years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope that you will uh, figure it out, figure out what you want to do soon. And I feel like it's going to be a project with me. <laughs> that would be amazing. So, uh, I'm really happy and grateful to have you uh, in this show, but also in my life. Thanks again. Thank you, and, uh, Thank you for all, all our listeners. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and I will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast is powered by House of Ichigo, a company that's redefining the art of gathering. Now I See Me is hosted by me, Sabri Ben Radia, and produced by Ludovic Schnedorovich and Eleonore Balsam. And, of course, their company, Signature Film.